if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is every bit of that. Thank you for being with us. Nine minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock as we get started in hour number two. It is a Tuesday, the seventh morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. Uh, apologies for no Kersenow today. Peter Kersenow contacted me yesterday, asked if he could move to a later day this week due to his work schedule. I'm surprised he doesn't do that more often, to be honest with you, as many different things as Peter has to do every day professionally. Uh, so uh, Peter asked out today. We will replace him with another outstanding guest coming up at 1035. Kurt Schlichter is going to be joining us to talk, to talk about his new book and about the state of this country, which, by the way, apparently is so bad that Joe Biden wants to fundamentally transform it. That's right. We'll talk more about that later. But for this segment, I would like to discuss a little bit more about the masks and more specifically about the ongoing uh, attempts to destroy the American economy by shutting the states back down again. More states are open, of course, and have been opening over the course of the last several weeks. Uh, and more businesses and more different industries in those states have been opening, and now many of them are shutting back down or are being encouraged to shut back down, or people are being discouraged to, from patronizing businesses by things like mask orders, including in the city of Cleveland, soon to be all of Cuyahoga County, and, of course, in several states already. There is an intent, in my view, to shut this economy down. It is bouncing back way too fast. Jobs are coming back way faster than they should be, and the left is not going to allow that to happen. I just really firmly believe that. They're not going to allow continued job growth over the course of the next four months, helping Donald Trump in his reelection efforts. So what's the reality behind the new COVID cases, and what is the reality about the lethality, the mortality of the Chinese coronavirus? Well, one answer is to listen to Dr. Fauci, who is on the White House Coronavirus Task Force. And I think he's there by default because he's been there for the last five presidents. But one thing is to listen to him, in which case you will get a different answer virtually every day. But most of the time, he does play a very, very good fear-mongering role. Another answer is to listen to Dr. Scott Atlas. Dr. Scott Atlas 
at the prestigious, he's a former chief neuro, uh, neuroradiology, chief of neuroradiology, excuse me, at Stanford University's Medical Center, one of the most prestigious in America. He's also a senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution. And Scott Atlas, um, Dr. Scott Atlas, is talking about this in very different terms than Dr. Anthony Fauci is. And I think it's important that we listen to the other side of the story, the side that unpacks really all of the politics that are that are that are mashed in with the actual uh medical science in this regard listen to dr scott atlas he's on here with uh uh, San Diego Television. I believe his name is Paul Root. Well, across the country, states are reporting higher numbers of COVID-19 cases. But should we be scared of that spread? Here to talk more about those numbers is Dr. Scott Atlas from the Hoover Institute. Good morning, Dr. Atlas. Long time no chat. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, sir. All right. I'll say the numbers. Uh, over the past two weeks, infection rates or positive test numbers are up 43%. ICU beds, supposedly in California, up a reported 37%. You look at those numbers, a lot of folks get scared. You get... Uh, well, I don't get scared when I do a more than superficial analysis of the numbers. And when you look all over at the states who are seeing a lot of new cases... You have to look at who's getting infected because we should know by now that the goal is not to eliminate all cases. That's not rational. It's not necessary if we just protect the people who are going to have a serious complication. So when we look at the cases, yes, there's a lot more cases. Uh, by the way, they do not correlate in a time uh, sense to the uh, any kind of reopening of states, if you look at the timing, that's just a, a, mis, a misstatement, that's a false narrative. Uh, the reality is they may correlate to the new uh, mingling from protests and, and uh, massive demonstrations, but suffice it to say that the vast majority of cases are in younger, healthier people. The overwhelming majority of cases, in fact, we know younger, healthier people do not have a significant problem with this disease, with the infection. 99% of people who get infected, in fact, have no significant problem with the uh, infection. What we do know is that the death rates are not going up. Despite all the you know, hand-wringing, that's what really counts, is are we getting people who are super sick or dying, and we're not. And when we look at the uh, hospitalizations, yes, hospitals are more crowded, but that's mainly due to the reinstallation of medical care for non-COVID patients. When you look at Texas... Uh, okay, 90-plus percent of, IC, uh, of ICU beds are occupied, but only 15% are COVID patients. Well, that, 85% that, of the occupied beds are not COVID patients. So I'm going to pause this interview that I'm playing for you with uh, Dr. Scott Atlas from Stanford Medical with uh, Paul Rudy out on uh, uh, San Diego Television to hit that again. Because we hear this all the time. Well, we remember, we were supposed to flatten the curve. Well, the curve isn't flat anymore. Look at some of these hospitals are really overwhelmed. Not by COVID patients. He mentioned Texas, which is one of the states that has reinstituted new restrictions now, much to the dismay of many conservatives in that state. But as he pointed out, they may be, there may be an 85% increase in, in hospitalizations there, but only 15% of that is COVID patients. The rest of it is people coming back for regular medical care and medical uh, uh, treatments 
and in sometimes surgical procedures that were put off during the scare of the actual pandemic. But people want you to say, well, the hospitals are over. No, they're not being overrun with COVID patients. And I think Scott Atlas will will uh, say this coming up here, uh, if I've got my uh, audio clips correct, um, that um, they're also doing what they always do and fudging the numbers. Somebody can come in with a broken leg and then test positive for COVID, and while he's in the hospital for, for, for his broken leg, they will chart it as a hospitalization of a COVID patient. Well, yeah, he technically he's hospitalized, but it's not for COVID. He may be asymptomatic. But they have to test everybody that comes in, and then they get somebody who's positive who's not even there for COVID. He's there for a different reason, and it's COVID check, hospitalized check. Therefore, we report another COVID hospitalization. They're fudging the numbers because they don't want you to know the truth, as Scott Atlas is telling everyone. So I think we have to look at the data and and be aware that it doesn't matter if younger, healthier people get infected. I don't know how often that has to be said. They have nearly zero risk of a problem from this. The only thing that counts are the older, more vulnerable people getting infected, and there's no evidence that they really are. When you look at the data from all the states, which I've done, there's no data to say that older, vulnerable people are getting infected and and they're and dying and then we look at a couple of other things if i may continue sure when you are hospitalized with covid19 we see the hospitalization length of stay is about half of what it was we see the mortality rate for people who are hospitalized is one-fourth of what it was what does that mean that means a we're doing a better job protecting the vulnerable which is the goal B, we're doing better at even treating people who actually need hospitalization. And then we have to look at two other points. It's, it's anecdotal but because it's hard to prove, but it looks like about 20 to 35% of people hospitalized as COVID hospitalizations are hospitalized for something else. And they just test positive. They're asymptomatic. They test positive for COVID-19, and they are then categorized as COVID hospitalizations. Even if you're coming in to have a baby for appendicitis, for a kidney stone, if you test positive for COVID-19, you're, call, you're called a COVID-19 hospitalization. I mean, that's just not, that's misleading information. And again, it instills fear. The last point I want to make is that when younger... And why do they want to instill fear? As I said in my introduction of this clip, they want to instill fear because fear keeps people from living their lives. It keeps them from being consumers. It keeps them from going out to eat. It keeps them from going shopping. It keeps them from rebounding and reviving the economy. That's what it does. They have to continue to spread the fear, use half-truths, misstate the numbers, flat-out lie in order to keep people afraid, keep states closing down again, stop them from reopening, stop the economy from rebounding, and reminding everybody, you know, this country was in in pretty good shape before COVID, and it will be again under the policies of Donald Trump. For healthier people get infected, that's a good thing. Why? Why does that sound like a good thing? Because that's exactly the way that population immunity develops. When you have low-risk groups get infected, become immune, that is how you break up the, the sort of connectivity pathways to riskier, older, sicker people. That's what's called herd immunity. There's nothing wrong with having low-risk people 
get the infection as long as you protect the high-risk people, which apparently is being done because this explosion of cases has not caused increased deaths. That is de facto proof that we're not having a problem with more cases. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wish somebody would get a memo to Vice President Pence and to President Trump, and I wish somebody would advise them to add Dr. Scott Atlas to the White House coronavirus response team. I would much rather listen to the common sense of this particular medical expert than the wavering nonsense from Anthony Fauci any day and every day. The death rate continues to plummet. As a matter of fact, it is so low that the United States, according to the CDC, the United States is close to losing the epidemic status for COVID-19. The epidemic status is determined by the number of total deaths per week as it relates to the percentage of deaths of COVID-19 per week. The total number of deaths in America from all cases, from all reasons, to COVID deaths per week. And it is so low, it is no longer going to be considered an epidemic in the United States. It is not getting worse. Things are getting better. But the fear is, is more important, I think, than anything else to these people. All right, let me get a uh, time out here. We're uh, going to take your phone calls next, 216-901-0945. Don't forget, Kurt Schlichter joins us at 1035 on AM 1420. The Answer. Okay, 1025, we continue on AM1420, The Answer. Hey, if uh, you have not yet uh, partaken in the experience that is Uncle Tom, the movie by Larry Elder, I really need to encourage you. I cannot encourage you strongly enough, quite frankly. There's a reason why leftist Democrats in America do not want you to see this movie. Uh, Because this is the story they don't want you to see, told by people that, you know, they don't want you to hear about something as important uh, as race in America and how the African-American population has been taken in by the Democrats for so very long. At a time when so many desperately need to hear this message, the story of Uncle Tom needs to be told. This is a story of being a black conservative in America and the long, uh, hard-fought effort to try to convince African-Americans to not believe the lies of the Democrats. They have continued to harm them for decades and decades and decades. And it's time to open your eyes, and it's time to uh, to see the truth, or at least to think beyond the talking points of the Democrat Party. And black American conservatives who continue to shout that message to black America, they continue to get shouted down. They continue to be told they're race traitors. They're being told that they are Uncle Toms. They're being told that they are coons. They're being told all kinds of terrible, called all kinds of terrible derogatory names. And yet they fight on because their country and race relations in this country uh, depend upon the truth. So this is the story of Uncle Tom that you can go right now to UncleTom.com right now and download it. Watch it with your family, this story of America's black conservatives in their own voices, UncleTom.com. And if you use the promo code Cleveland, you'll save 20% off the price. UncleTom.com, save 20% with the promo code Cleveland. You do not want to... um, uh, to miss that opportunity. 
And like I said before, don't just watch it yourself. Watch it with your family. So um, I want to pivot here briefly in the bottom of the hour, toward the bottom of the hour, as I make room for Kurt Schlichter, to the violent aspects. We've talked about the violence. We've talked about the COVID-19 scare. And we've talked about how the two intertwine as cities like Cleveland continue to allow shootings to happen, essentially, by not doing anything to step up patrols, but actually turning their police uh, loose on the terrible, terrible mask Uh, The mask-free people. If you are mask-free in Cleveland, the cops are coming to get you, according to the mayor. And by the way, if you see somebody, call the cops on them. If you see somebody without a mask, call 911 and take up the dispatcher's time as they try to deal with stabbings and shootings and rapes and assaults and robberies. Tell them you saw somebody walking into a store without a mask, and the police will be on their way. I bring all of that together to bring you this. Yesterday... White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany uh, ended her session with the Washington uh, Presidential Press Pool after she took countless numbers of questions about ridiculous things and realized that the press conference was going to end without any questions about one particular topic. She decided to take the Washington Press Pool to task. This is the way she ended. This was her mic drop as she walked off of the the, uh, uh, the dais there, uh, or the um, podium, walked away from the podium at the White House press conference. And COVID. And finally, I'd end with this. You know, I was asked probably 12 questions about the Confederate flag. Uh, this president's focused on action, and I'm a little dismayed that I didn't receive one question on the deaths that we got in this country this weekend. I didn't receive one question about New York City shootings doubling for the third straight week, and over the last seven days, shootings skyrocket by 142%. Not one question. I didn't receive one question about five children who were killed, and I'll leave you with this remark by a dad. It broke my heart. A dad of an eight-year-old lost in Atlanta this weekend. They say Black Lives Matters. You killed a child. She didn't do nothing to nobody, was his quote. We need to be focused on securing our streets, making sure no lives are lost because all black lives matter. That of David Dorn and that of this eight-year-old girl. Thank you. Mic drop and goodbye. And that was exactly what needed to be said to these absolute hack reporters working for these hack fake news agencies focusing on everything they can to take down Donald Trump, but focusing not on the one thing that is painted outside in Washington, D.C. on the ground. Black lives mattering. Because to the left, including the media that Kaylee just dressed down, black lives don't matter. It's not about black lives. It's about politics and power. Because David Dorn, the police captain who was killed defending a store that was being that was being looted a black man his life has never been stated his name has never been stated you know all of these say their names say their names say his name they've never said the name of david dorn in black lives matter and in protest they've never said the names of these black children being shot they've never said the names of all of the black people being shot in all of these urban centers while police officers are forced to stand down because black lives don't matter Black lives have never mattered to Black Lives Matter. They matter to Kaylee McEnany. They matter to Donald Trump. They matter to me. All lives matter to me and to all of us because we're all Americans and we're all humans and all lives are precious. But black lives don't matter to Black Lives Matter. 
Kurt Schlichter joins us next on 1420 The Answer. Ten thirty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hope you're having a great morning. Great conversation thus far. Really appreciate Steve Loomis coming on with us to talk about crime in Cleveland and across the country and what is not being done about it. I want to pivot to politics. I want to pivot to specifically November third when the COVID nineteen uh, hysteria will end, or at least November fourth, because November third is the re-election of President Donald Trump. Well, that is what many of us are hoping. It could be the beginning of the end of the United States of America as we know it, if we are not careful. Joining us now to talk about the election, uh, by way of his new book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, is top-rated town hall senior columnist, um, retired lieutenant colonel in the United States Army, and successful Los Angeles-based trial attorney, Kurt Schlichter, back on the air with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob, did you demote me? I was a full colonel. Why did I say the? Oh, you know, I had Lieutenant Colonel West on yesterday. It was in my head. I had Alan West on yesterday, and I, I got used to saying Lieutenant Colonel. My apologies. Well, Colonel look, you're, you're moving on up. <laughs> well done. Well I mean, done. I mean, you know, Lieutenant Colonel West, he's fine, I guess. <laughs> now, I love Alan West. You know what? Hey, before we talk about your book and we talk about all this stuff, I, I love Alan West. When he was a congressman in Florida, and I asked him this yesterday, I said, why did you uh, leave politics? Uh, because I, I kid you not, I, I every time I heard him speak, both when he was a congressman and then in his you know career as a pundit after that, I get inspired every time I heard that guy speak, and I always wondered why he didn't shoot for something bigger. I wanted him to run for president in 20, uh, 2008, 2012. I wanted him to run for president. He never aspired to that. He said essentially because the Republican Party uh, kind of turned on him, including the uh, Republican Party of Florida. But uh, did you ever feel that way about him? Well, you know, I... I no. <laughs> okay. No, explain. No, I didn't. Um, uh, I think uh, I, I think people uh, uh, have you know uh, a, a very best, and I think he is somebody out there who I'd rather have inspiring people. I think he's running for um, or, or trying to become uh, head of the party in Texas. Yes, uh, I want. I, I I'm an organization guy. I like to see organizations that run, and I think. Sometimes we spend too much time thinking that the best role for someone who, oh, I don't know, commanded a battalion might might actually be as a political figure rather than getting in there and building an organization. Okay, and that's fair enough. And I, I do, I tend to... Um give a lot of weight to military service, especially people who are highly successful, and especially when I listen to somebody who has served, uh, as he did, and of course if you did, as you did, uh, but who served and who can address the issues as extraordinarily eloquently as he did and could, and that's why I really liked him. But this interview isn't about him. This is about Colonel Kurt Schlichter, and it's yeah, about focus President Focus on Donald. me. I'm a Los Angeles trial lawyer. It needs to center on Kurt. <laughs> and like, let's get the spotlight back on the case. Let's do that. Let's so do that. All right. So, so Kurt, um, let's let's talk about the lies about Donald Trump, and we're going to start with the lie that was told 
uh, um, this isn't in your book, of course, because it just happened, but uh, uh, by the New York Times about President Trump's Friday night speech at Mount Rushmore, in which he essentially defended the culture and the history of America uh, and of America's patriots, those who founded her, uh, said that never will American history uh, in the form of statues and in the form, of course, of that great monument in the mountainside in uh, South Dakota, uh, will it ever will it ever go away? Uh, and his speech was praised by conservatives for its incredibly uniting uh, message. And the New York Times immediately wrote an op-ed and called it dark and divisive. Or divisive well, that, that, those, those were the uh, uh, thesaurus words they got from the, the, the memo that went around. Look, of I course. want to thank the New York Times and the rest of the mainstream media for helping me promote the 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You by boldface lying to the American people on Friday in such an obvious and, frankly, ham-handed way. I mean, look, I'm an Andrew Breitbart guy, and Andrew Breitbart uh, pointed out that, you know, the gatekeepers can't keep the gates if you've knocked down the walls. Anybody can go out and find out exactly what Donald Trump said, and then they immediately see that the mainstream media, like all our, uh, most of our institutions, are packed with liars attempting to revolt against us. The normal Americans who said, you people suck, you're terrible, you have failed as our elite, we're going to replace you with Donald Trump because you're incompetent, corrupt, and uh, pretentious. And this is a rebellion against normal people and their tool the only tool they really have is deception and deceit as i talk about in the 21 biggest lies of donald trump and you which i have to mention 18 times or the marketing people will not release my family so. <laughs> and you know what mention it as many times as you want because there are there are so let's talk about some of those now again i went to a more recent thing with particularly what the new york times did and you're right it is it's just kind of keeping in uh in the uh you know keeping the narrative alive that donald trump is a racist donald trump is the divider uh, donald trump is the so dark uh, it really is especially when let me ask you this kurt what is more divisive in this country than telling the uh, the 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 legion? And I know you're not a big sports guy, you're not a big football fan, but telling millions and millions and millions of NFL fans that on opening day in every stadium we will follow the national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, with the black national anthem, something that doesn't exist because there is no separate black nation, so there cannot have a separate anthem. But that's what is more divisive than this? Donald Trump says no, we should have one united country under one flag uh, singing one anthem and he's the one who's called the divider that's the kind of lying that we're talking about well true and, and, and keep in mind they, they these marxist dorks want division they want everything look they are everything they accuse donald trump of being they are greedy they are racist they are narcissists they are incompetent they are stupid they are uh, cavorting with foreigners to the expense of Americans. They are literally everything that they lie and say Donald Trump is. It, it, and it's not even projection. Because people, you know, somebody who's psychologically projecting something may actually believe it. They, they, they don't believe their lies. They know, they know that speech at Rushmore wasn't dark and divisive. They just said it because they don't care, because they're in a post-truth mode. They will say whatever they need to say to gain their one goal, which is power. So when they, when they do something that's manifestly divisive, divisive and they start criticizing Trump about being divisive, none of it matters in the sense that they, they don't 
care about it being divisive. If it's divisive uh, and it helps them, then they're for it being divisive. And if uniting helps them, they're, they're for being united. Look at, look at masks. One day masks are terrible and you're not supposed to have them. The next day you have to have them. One day you, you, you can't go to church and sing because you'll kill everybody. The next day you're immune to it. You're immune to the virus because you're woke. Go out and protest. Everything's a lie and a scam with these people. And the 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You provides a handbook for teaching you how not to get suckered in and how to counter, uh, counterattack these weasels. Kurt Schlichter is our guest. He is, again, Colonel Kurt Schlichter, and he is an attorney, and he's a, an author, and an amazing one as well. The book is The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. Let's, we could do hours on the lies they say about Donald Trump and us uh, when it comes to racism, when it comes to Black Lives Mattering, and when it comes to uh, the history of, of, of racism and the history of slavery and KKK and everything else in this country, but uh, we don't have hours. So let's move on to foreign policy. Tell me about this. Trump the warmonger, which is what he has been called, he's going to get us into a war with North Korea. He's going to get us into a war with Iran. He's going to get into us uh, get us into a war with uh, with China. And of course, maybe the guy that was going to do all of that, John Bolton, President Trump fired. <laughs> but but he's he's called a warmonger, and you write in the book that he has given us a safer foreign policy than anybody else who came before him, or at least his immediate predecessors. Explain that. Well, look, the, the, the last president not to get us into a war was Jimmy Carter. I mean, you know, Ronald Reagan has invaded Grenada. I guess you could call it a war. They spent a lot of time in Lebanon, and that was that actually worked out poorly. But, you, you know, you had uh, Bush one. He did Panama and Desert Storm, where I was. You had Clinton. He did uh, Somalia and Bosnia and Kosovo, where I would later serve. And then you had Bush, and he had Afghanistan and Iraq. And then uh, uh, Barack Obama came and threw in Libya. Donald Trump has, oh, in Syria, and Donald Trump has not started any wars. He's actually tried to end them. He tried to pull out of Syria, and boy, you sure hear the, you, you heard the establishment scream, they're going to kill all the Kurds! Have we heard of any dead Kurds? No, because it was a lie, and we everybody knew it was a lie, and they said anyway. Now he's trying to pull out of Afghanistan, and they're freaking out there, because, you know, after 20 years of chasing these banditos around the Hindu Kush, all these all these generals who, who think they're the cat's pajamas and are always willing to come and lecture us now that they're retired, yet their track record is one of failure, okay? They have failed in Afghanistan. Donald Trump's like, well, if we're not going to win it, we're pulling out, and they're, they're all freaking out. <laughs> and, and where there's an actual enemy, like potentially China, well, it's like... Want to actually focus on high intensity combat against a, uh, uh, a comparable peer competitor? No, no, no. We want to focus on important things in the military, like Diversity Day. No one has been harder on Russia, really, since Reagan uh, um, than Trump. Nobody has been harder on China uh, than Donald Trump. No, uh, no, no, nobody, nobody has. Nobody has been look harder at, on Iran, Trump, especially That's after the. Number four. Go ahead. Go ahead. Line number four, Trump Russia. It's my personal favorite because I was literally in the Cold War, Bob. I was in Stuttgart, you know, in 1988, 89, and 90, you know, shivering when we went out on alert. Our orders were die in place, fight till you lose, fight till you're either relieved or dead. 
So I, I literally was in the Cold War, and then I, I, I get lectured to by these 24-year-old blue-check Twitter box writers with a goatee, and they can't do a push-up about how I'm not toughing up on the Russians. Dude, show me your DD-214 before you pretend to talk to me like we're peers. Uh, I get your I get your frustration. I get I get your frustration. A hundred percent. Let me ask you about immigration. Another one of the lies. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the lie is that Donald Trump hates brown people. That's why he doesn't like immigrants. It has nothing to do with immigrants. It has to do with that modifier that everybody leaves out called illegal immigrants. And it doesn't matter that they're brown. It matters that they're coming here illegally, soaking up American resources, taking advantage of America's generosity, and they shouldn't be here. Uh, uh, especially when they cut in front of the line of other immigrants who want to come to this country legally. Tell us about that. Well, exactly. Look, one of the, the, I think the most important uh, part of the title, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, is the parenthetical and you, because they are, they're not really talking about Trump. Trump is an avatar for us, the normal Americans, who they hate, they want to suppress, impoverish, and browbeat into submission. And, you know, one of the, you hate immigrants, you, you, know, you, you hate immigrants, you're a bunch of racists, and you know, I got, I got to tell you, I, I, I've, been, I've been called that myself sure. by uh, some of these uh, never-Trump sissies uh, who, who go along with the establishment and join them in their lies because they, they, they too, want power. And i got to tell you, my uh, Latino immigrant wife was very upset to hear that about me. <laughs> That's... She was stunned. That is so classic. And you're right, by the way, the parenthetical and you, it's very important to point that out because you're right. When they say, you know, if it, that's why, Kurt, let's talk about the polls. Uh, it, 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 the polls showed Joe Biden destroying Donald Trump in a runaway from the nationals as, as well as the individual polls in the battleground states. And it looks very, very bad. Um, and people say there's no support for Donald Trump. But the reason why is, is what you just talked about. People don't want to acknowledge their support for Trump. We don't answer polls. We don't put signs in our yard because we're on our property being attacked. We don't even put bumper stickers on our cars because we don't want to get our cars keyed. Because if it says Trump, you are a racist. If it says you support Trump, if you wear a red hat, you're going to get beat up because you're a racist, you're anti-immigrant, you're anti-this, you're anti-that, you're a homophobe, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's exactly it. Donald Trump is just kind of our avatar. He's kind of our emoji. He he represents all of us, and that's why so many of us have to stay quiet because of the what the way they feel about him. No, I think that's true. What kind of idiot's gonna you know stranger calls? Hi, do you like Donald Trump? Why? Yes, I do. You may call me now. You may call me a racist, a sexist, uh, you know, says <laughs> normative uh, uh, enforcer of the white supremacist decolonial uh, colonialist paradigm. Blah blah blah. Um, here's the thing: if the if the if the entire media will boldface lie to us about the Mount Rushmore speech that we can literally, with three clicks, go in here for ourselves and see that they're lying. Do you believe for a second they would not actively, intentionally, and consciously manipulate polls to attempt to demoralize uh, the 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 potential Trump voter? Yes, uh, now, they would, and, and I know because they... tinfoil hat stuff today. Nice, normal hat stuff. 
they've done that to me because I've I've been dis, you know just disillusioned a little bit when I see these numbers and I'm like, what the heck are people thinking about? We are going to be in a very very dangerous place if in on November fourth he becomes Joe Biden becomes the the president elect and I believe one won't happen without the other that the Senate won't go will go Democrat as well if the Senate goes Democrat Biden will win if Biden wins the Senate will go Democrat and my concern here uh, uh, is is real. Uh, Kurt Schlichter, and I'm oh, not saying I, I believe I, the polls, I but I tell you it what, could, it does it does kind of depress you a little bit when you see these. No, it could be very bad, and, and you know, uh, although I, I contend that Donald Trump is not our last chance, he's their last chance. But I think, um, I, I look. If I had to put my money down, I would I would put my money down on Donald Trump. Here, here's a test I use. I know. Several people who say, I don't vote for Trump in 2016, but this time I'm voting for him. I don't know anybody who's, who voted for Donald Trump last time who says, yeah, I, 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 you know, I didn't like the, the booming economy or the military buildup or the resistance to liberalism. I really think we ought to elect Grant, that sinewy old weirdo who lives in a basement, Grandpa Badfinger. I think, I think I'm going to vote for him this time. I've heard zero people tell me. And moreover... I have, I, and I ask people because I, I want to assess metrics. I want to know maybe I'm just hallucinating. You know, when I talk to Selena Zito and she says, "Look, the the uh, inner United States because I live in communist Los Angeles is packed with Trump signs. You don't see Biden signs." Okay, that's anecdotal, but I, I want to find information. None of the people I've talked to have said, "Yeah, I know several people who are no longer supporting Trump." I don't hear that. Last question before you before you go, Kurt. And I know the music is playing, and you know what that means from sitting here for Hugh Hewitt. I but uh, but I'm just going to ask you real quick. Joe Biden tweeted yesterday, or maybe it was Sunday actually, that when he is elected, he is going to transform America. We heard that word used by his former boss, uh, uh, Barack Obama. And I'll just ask you what I asked it that you know about that. Then, do you try to fundamentally transform something that you like? Why would you? He didn't say I want to improve America. I want to change America. Why do? You, why would we elect somebody who is saying I don't like this country? I want to fundamentally transform it. Who? Who could support that? We won't support that. I think. I think he's going to lose. And I think if he tries to, he doesn't want to transform America. He wants to transform us into serfs. I'm not playing that. Step one: get my book, Twenty One Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, and own the libs. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kurt Schlichter. Always a pleasure, my friend. Kurt Schlichter is uh, phenomenal. Senior columnist at townhall.com. And yes, he is an author. His latest is The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. And we will be right back. Well... We don't have a ton of time left here in the last segment for a couple of calls, but let's see if we can get one or two in, um, because I've been very busy with guests today. My apologies for that. I shouldn't apologize. They were great guests, right? Especially when we couldn't have Kirsten out today, but uh, it didn't leave a ton of time for calls. Jan in Cleveland does want to get in, though. Uh, Jan, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Oh, hi. You know, some of these young, immature uh, protesters are just out there. Uh, they don't know what the, They don't know the party platform. They don't know any policies. All they know is their candidate lost, and they're mad, and they just uh, they just like to carry on because that's what immature brats do. That's how they respond when they're they don't get their way. And nobody has ever taught them. There's two important words that they have never learned. 
that's thank you. I mean, there's not an ounce of gratitude for everything they've been given and then they've had. And this Black Lives Matter gets me sick because poor people, at least in this area, when there's a crisis or a need, everybody responds. Fills fills the coat room to the brim. Fills the bus to the brim. Fills the food to the brim. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people that are coming in and, and uh, separate, you know, saying that uh, the the blacks are treated unfairly. There's uh, the racism is, uh, and and it's it's not about race. It's about the communist. It's about the, the black. Well, that's uh, yeah. That's that's the important point here. And and Jan, thank you for the phone call. The important point to what you're just saying is that black. You know, when it comes, first of all. <clears throat> There are lots and lots and lots and lots of African Americans who really did say thank you. They understood those two words and they appreciated everything Donald Trump did to increase black uh, employment, to increase black wages, to increase contributions to historically black colleges, to uh, uh, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The criminal reforming the criminal justice system uh, to some extent in order to uh, let a lot of African Americans out of prison who are going to be there for a lot longer based on what were deemed to be unfair. Uh, sentencing guidelines so president trump has done a lot for the black community and a lot of black americans a lot of american americans loved him for that and said thank you thank you thank you but then when it comes time to vote for him they are shamed they are shamed into following the same democrat you know democrat uh, uh, narrative and you can't vote for for somebody who isn't a Democrat because that's not what we do. This is again the you know kind of being chained to the metaphor metaphorical Democrat plantation that so many African Americans have talked about trying to break. And when you try to praise Donald Trump, you get shamed by your own people, your own race into uh, into going back to the same old same old same old. And that's a shame. So I won't say that uh, people won't, or particularly minorities won't say thank you. And many times they do, but they just can't follow through with their votes. We'll see. We'll see what happens. By the way, that's what the movie Uncle Tom by Larry Elder is all about. Thanks to uh, Steve Loomis. Thanks to Kurt Schlichter. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye.